Support for a podcast with GOAT is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision tools for your family jewels, and there ain't nothing more important than that. Big news. Ring the alarm. Manscaped just launched in Canada. This is where 98% of you live. I look at the stats. For those listeners in Canada, aka the people listening right now, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience life-changing products. Listen, I'm a trimmer. I'm a groomer. I take care of myself. You don't know how many countless times I've hit a neck. Next thing you know, there's a fountain. It doesn't stop. There's blood everywhere. It looks like a crime scene by the time I'm finished, okay? He's, he's singing like Mariah at the end of it. Exactly. And then you think, oh my God, I cut myself aftershave. Eh, wrong idea. You don't want to do that. But with Manscaped, you can. That's why Manscaped has the redesigned electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineered team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. Period. I know I'm reading that, but I'm saying period ever they have the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 we're done with the 2.0 it's still on the website it's okay but the 3.0 is where it's at it's their third generation trimmer and it features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents that is the key part in this situation there will be zero accidents it has skin safe technology when i tell you this is premium i mean premium the battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can shave for however long you want and however hairy you are what more do you want <laughs> the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower one of the coolest features is the led light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming they've also upgraded to a 7000 7 thousand rpm motor with quiet stroke technology and let's not forget about the charging stand oh don't forget about the charging don't you stand. forget about it show your mower off loud and proud because it's intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by usb if you are listening to me speak right now right now right now right now i want you to experience it firsthand for yourself trim that junk of yours get 20 percent off free plus free shipping with plus code free shipping. apwg all capitals at manscaped.com your balls will thank you it says it on the shirt and if they say it on the shirt that means they mean it your balls will thank you thank you to manscaped for supporting the boys go buy the product again get 20 percent off and free shipping with code apwg all capitals at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code APWG. All caps. It's time to shave those balls, isn't it? Welcome to another episode of a podcast with GOAT. We have very, very, very special guest, guitar luthier, um, owner of Coward Guitars and Macho Man Randy Savage enthusiast, Doug Coward. Doug, thank you for coming on. Mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. And I do believe, I, technically on Skype, I'm Max Powers. So uh, we, can, we can just keep adding names to the list here. It doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> Man of many names. <laughs> Aliases. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 
So as we kind of mentioned before we started, I talked that, you know, this isn't necessarily a music podcast, but we do talk about how people got their start, where they got to where you are. And I think you have a pretty cool story. Um, I've done a, a quite a bit of research diving into you and your brand and the guitars and everything. People on the podcast know I, I just started playing myself. Um, so, so this is going to be a really, really fun interview. And it's just going to start nice and simple. What got you into music? Like, was there a certain song that you heard and it was like, oh, I, I need to do that? Um, I don't know. I Well, okay, I can give a slightly tweaked answer on that. What got me actually playing music? Because uh, I, I always wanted to play guitar. Um, my parents always told me they would get me lessons if I got good grades. That never happened. Um, you know, <laughs> it's certainly the argument I'm hearing with me and my eight-year-old now on a daily basis. And and I keep telling myself, because he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to be like you. And then I realize <laughs> that's horrible. Uh, but no, I actually, to, what actually gave me foundations and I, I'm internally grateful for to this day was uh, junior high band. I, I we had a and specifically of so okay, not too much factory. The district we live in, because of the town we technically live in, used to be just all farmland, and then so uh, and then all the farmland became multi million dollar you know subdivisions and stuff. Um, you know, so we have a huge school district geographically. You know, numbers of schools, but the junior high that I specifically went to had a just tremendous music program. And I walked in like everybody else in seventh grade who signed up for it, not knowing, you know, anything, just just right. starting from scratch. And uh, um, Mrs. Christ, I had her both years, who I still see occasionally. Uh, and uh, um, I think her kid's the music teacher at one of the high schools now, with oh, cool. how all it's become now. Uh, but yeah, I, I had I not done that, I would have never actually, like I finally started being able to learn how to play guitar on my own in eighth grade because i kind of had that foundation and like yeah. you know being able to understand pitch and tempo and and all that stuff and and sure. having it drilled into me and so i i played trombone in in uh seventh and eighth uh, seventh through my senior year of high school um and then i've never since is it tromboner or trombone uh, it's not it better be tromboner because that's how we were <laughs> uh, there, 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 there's no one plays that. You cannot be someone who plays trombone and not end up just like me. Like, it's, <laughs> there's a reason there's dick jokes all over the shop, and, and uh, yeah, uh, actually, uh, my our well, our second newest employee, she's 18. She just graduated high school. Uh, she found a label maker. That's where the Bernie Sanders joke came from the other day. And then I noticed today on my workbench there was a little like old school eight with the uh, equal signs and then a D label stuck on my head. Like, you're going to be just fine here. You're going yeah. to fit. Uh, in the seventh and eighth grade, I played the euphonium. So uh, all of those, those horns, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's even more niche. I like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, people on here don't even know. It's a mini tuba is what sure. it is. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, uh, doing my research on you, I found that your dad was a carpenter or worked with cabinet making or something like that. Um, when did you, when did it all kind of translate that, like, okay, I like music, I like helping dad and working with my hands and doing this. When did it kind of come together? Like, I want to make really cool guitars. 
I so I worked in that shop since I was probably eight years old. Like I just oh, cool. that's where I always was. Uh, you know, I always worked in the shop. So my dad is a cabinet maker, still is. Okay. Uh, you know, I just grew up doing it, and and you know, everybody, a lot of guys in my industry across industries have the same background. You know, I always took things apart and rarely got them put back together around the house. You know, I just like wondering how things work, and and I grew up building cars with my dad. You know, when I wasn't at the shop, and uh. I want to say it was like 2000, oh God, four or five. I was, I was kind of, you know, getting near and, and uh, on a track to not be self-employed. Uh, I was adamantly not going to be self-employed. Uh, and this piece of maple came in the shop and it was just really pretty. And, and uh, I finally was like, you know, I want to try building a guitar. I, I've made furniture. I've done all this other stuff. We, my my dad was one of the first cabinet shops in the in the valley to go to a CNC machine like okay. late 90s, um, so I had been programming that kind of uh, rudimentally, uh, rudimentally rudimentary. There we go. Uh, and, no one's gonna fact check you on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it had its own kind of like generic CAD program, and I took AutoCAD my senior year of high school to get out of taking calculus, um, which somehow counted as a math class. Thank God. Uh, which again was uh, 50 kids. Uh, one teacher, seven periods a day, saving drawings of dicks in AutoCAD for <laughs> 30 boys. Because uh, all the files for all the class, like whoever was at your physical computer, you know, it was just like, oh, this is folder for period one. So everyone went in each other's folders and fucked up their files and stuff. And <laughs> so, off to a great start here. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I did that and this piece came in and I just got a bug up my ass to do it. And, and it Came out. I mean, it was a playable guitar. I learned a lot. Uh, it had, uh, it progressed far enough along to be to play it. Um, and then I was like, man, eh, I want to try the next one. And then I wanted to try the next one and the next one. And but I, I didn't really fall into it as a business. Um, I had no actually no intentions of doing that. I was just doing something fun. Um, yeah. And I, like I didn't know there was an industry. I didn't, you know, uh, I was very fortunate that the guitar specific skill sets my father-in-law knew like he did repair work and stuff like not like he's not dan early wine but you know like sure. setups and fret work and and kind of did that you know among not just his own guitars but at the local music store when he was in college in the 70s um which ironically was the music store i bought my trombone at so see i brought it full circle now wow full <laughs> circle. <laughs> uh, but yeah i learned that stuff from him and then i just kind of you know, my buddy's got a, a a great phrase. I was dumb enough to start and stu stubborn enough to stick with it, and uh, or dumb enough to stick with it or the other. Uh, it's oh, my just story of my life. And then yeah. I, I did uh, what became the daylighter, uh, and it kind of caught on. People liked it. I, I had again, I wasn't really intending to do that, and but people started asking for them. And by this point, it's like two thousand seven or eight. Um, the recession hit and there was no cabinet work to do. So I was building more and more guitars because there was just nothing else to do at the shop. I mean, we, dad's business dropped like 97%, you know, almost overnight. Like it just, it wow. just nosedived. Um, so there was just not much to do. And, uh, you know, but people were buying them and uh, I just kind of keep getting lucky somehow. Like I, I made good contacts early on and, and, you know, luckily on the business end, I learned a lot of firsthand lessons with my growing up with my parents' business. You know, because they they started the cabinet shop when I was uh, eight. Also, <laughs> you know, 
pretty much that's why I've been there my whole life. But, uh, you know, so I got to learn a lot of that stuff firsthand. But I, I just kind of kept being in the right place at the right time, I think, mainly. Um, and then that's kind of so, where we ended up. Yeah, so you kind of made mention there your day liners model that caught. What, like, how did it catch? Was it social media? Was it you getting out in, like, guitar form? Like, I don't, 2008, like, I was pretty young. I'm not yeah, going to tell you. I don't think there was much in the way of social media around that. Well, that was like, put yourself out there where the dayliner caught traction. So uh, there was there was some. It was more message board based back then. There were still message okay. boards, um, and it was still honestly, I hate to say it, when Facebook was kind of good still. Um, so people saw the daylighter on like. <laughs> Uh, I think it was on Re Ranch and Gear Page mainly, like that's the kind of in my Les Paul, it's kind of where I was hanging out. Um, yeah. And the Daylighter, uh, I don't have one ironically anymore. Uh, well, I, yeah, I don't, not here at least. Uh, it's a Jazzmaster shaped Les Paul, essentially. Yeah. It's a carved top, you know, uh, Gibson scale, but it's a Jazzmaster shape. And I think being the right place in the right time. Uh, like Dennis Fano, myself, a couple other guys who I think really like spearheaded that the Jazzmaster shape is a tremendously underappreciated shape. And if you just get rid of all the Jazzmaster stuff and just make it a strat, essentially, or, you know, something that's yeah. more, you know, less, less doodads and more just a straightforward guitar. In my case, a, a you know, a Les Paul layout. Um, people kind of clicked in it and it was something that you know again i just built it for myself and and um, i mean it wasn't like i sold thousands of them you know even over the whole span of that guitar right but you know we when there's nothing else to do and you know three or four people want one and it's paying the bills a little bit um yeah it's certain suddenly becomes kind of a, a thing um yeah um okay so when did it when did it turn into okay? Here's the dayliner. This is my brand, Cower. When was it like I need to start doing other things? Like I need to keep my business hot. We have a lot on the go. People like these guitars. So what was next, and how did you kind of determine that? Like what helped you make <laughs> that decision? Uh, well, we we did a lot within just the daylighter for quite a while. So like. We did a carved top and a hollow body and a flat top and that and then uh, so that was kind of the first few years uh, and then but I'd also done uh, Banshee uh, and that was a guitar that predates the business I you know it was one of the first things I ever truly built from scratch was a was a you know Firebird copy um, yeah. and so the second guitar that kind of added to the lineup was People Caught Wind that I had made those at one point and kind of started pestering me for them and I was really adamant I didn't want to do them at first. Uh, because they were honestly they're paying the ass they, they, they're really hard to build uh, and I because they were guitars I had kind of learned on like the I the ability to how do I describe this there were like a lot of fixtures and jigs and things that I made for like a one-time use thing like you know especially like it wasn't for production yeah and so I, I it took quite a long time of building that guitar to get all of those other pieces in place to make it a, something that we make you know 60 percent of what we do now um, every year, if not a little bit more. Um, so that was the second model, and then uh, you know, same thing. I I just kind of grew the business by again, like in the earlier days of Facebook, uh, especially when um, they didn't treat business and and personal pages differently. 
The number one tool I ever used was I would just wake up in the morning and look and see who were the new people who followed us. And then, I mean, they probably don't want to hear this now, but I just had a generic thank you message that I sit, would copy and paste and thank them for, you know, following our account. Uh, and I probably sold more guitars off of that than anything. Like I just, yeah. you know, I would, it, it, I think it was one of two things. One, it would be, you know, obviously it's a, it's a somewhat, it's as close to a mass, per, you know, personalized thing as you could get like an actual personal contact but more often than not you would end up having three or four or five messages afterwards you know hey i really like this model can i get it with this you know is this an option is that an option and you can answer right away um and and unfortunately i, I mean a few things killed that at a certain point as the account kind of grew in size and speed it got to be just overwhelming to try to do that yeah but what really killed it was you know facebook monetizing business pages monetizing and in all fairness, in an effort to combat spam, like I, I still occasionally get someone who will find one of our messages that went to their spam folder. And this is probably, I mean, I'm not even on Facebook anymore. Like, it was like nine right. years ago. Uh, I'll get a, hey, I just saw this. And I'm like, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but that, that helped. And, you know, and then, and actually, it's exactly the same arc for Instagram, really, uh, where we're yeah. still very active. Oh, at. yeah. Trust me, on Instagram, like, trying to grow this podcast, it's seriously just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing if it sticks. Like, I, I message, like, it's how I, uh, honestly, how I got our paid, like, we have a paid sponsor, Manscaped. You heard the promo code at the beginning of the episode. So, Doug, if you go to manscaped.com and you use promo code APWG, you save Dude. 20% plus yeah. free shipping. Yeah. But the most useful promo code (laughs) but uh, and i i mean it's even how i've gotten some of our bigger guests on the podcast kind of like yourself like you have a large social media following and i was like like you know coming into guitars during quarantine my dad had followed your page for a long time he and he like he dm'd me he was like hey why don't you check out this guy he does these like really cool guitars that not a lot of people do like Take a look at it. Tell me what you think. And then I was like, wow, I love these. I got to message him and see if we can get him on the podcast. And and it's honestly how a lot of these, how a lot of this starts. You mentioned a few things in that last. Yeah. 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 I, like, I was just like, Doug, I want to get you on my podcast. But um, you mentioned a lot of the things in your last answer there that I kind of want to go through. So, and it's basically just a two-parter. When people think, and for it's maybe people that aren't in the music industry. They think when they think guitars, there's probably two brands that come to their mind. And it's probably like that because that's the guitars their dad would have seen people use. And if their dad had pictures, it was probably, you know, someone with a Les Paul or someone with uh, maybe an SG. I'm, I kind of like the SG model, but um, so, so, when how do you try to compete with those giants and then my my follow-up to that is you make a banshee that's similar to a gibson firebird what kind there you have a neat little story of kind of what happened there and and uh we would love to hear a story but uh yeah well that's (laughs) well i i think without bringing it I mean, I don't want to make tie-ins to what's going on right now. People tend to naturally congregate to two camps. I mean, in anything, sports, music, fishing, I don't know, whatever, you know, guitars especially. So that that tends to be, even like within guitars, there's 
Gibson and Fender, and there's Taylor and Martin, uh, yeah. you know. And I think the internet's greatest thing, uh, well, besides Homestar Runner, um, is the ability to find not those things. Like, and, and, yeah. and I have my gripes. Like, Instagram, we've struggled with, honestly, over the last few years. But it used, like, we have a, almost 80,000 followers, but we had 45 or 50,000 followers before Facebook bought it. Like, it, it just... It, it it's they've done their thing to make it harder but you know i love i'm i am very appreciative that i think people my age i think a lot and obviously i have older customers too but a lot of people now are not as hung up on like maybe that brand of guitar they're or worse or more they're they're used to seeing kind of all the boutique small industry things and just it sounds hipstery but they want something that somebody else doesn't have yeah like I mean, I, I, everybody has to have a blonde telly and a Strat and a Les Paul at least once. I get yeah, it. Full top Les Paul, a Cherry SG. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you go through that loop and stuff. But at, after a certain point, I'm like, like how many it, – It's it boggles my mind when you hear Gibson's production numbers and you think, okay, they've done – conservatively the last 10 to 20 years and then maybe half of that – for the 30 years of predate that that's millions of Les Pauls in the world. Like yeah. we don't need another one. Like, I mean, it's hard to justify <laughs> how do people excited. Like I have this conspiracy theory that under Henry Gibson's whole marketing strategy was to do one year where they would do something batshit crazy. Like we're going to put robot tuners on this thing and we're going to do this and that stuff that nobody wants. So the next year when they go back to being no quote unquote normal, people are like, yeah, and they go rush out and buy the same freaking Les Paul they made two years earlier. Like I, I, I don't know what else to explain it like, okay. um, you know. So I'm I'm very fortunate. I also had to realize very quickly we aren't competing with Gibson and Fender. They see it as competition. We don't because, uh, and I learned this kind of very quickly at guitar shows. Uh, like you know, a lot of guitar shows, you know. You, the fun ones, at least, you know, you're in a convention hall or whatever, and, and you got all these other builders, and they're literally your neighbors across from you. The whole room is filled that way. And as a nerd, I love everything in that room. I want to see and touch and play everything. But yeah. most people aren't that way. They tend to naturally gravitate towards something specific. So I would watch people walk, you know, right past the people on the left or on the right of me and stop at my table. And I'm like, dude, that thing next to me is insane. Why didn't you look at that? And then, and then, but exactly the same thing would happen in reverse. They would walk right past me and go look at the guitar next to me. Uh, and so, once I kind of realized you're, you're not really. I mean, I guess you're, you're competing for marketplace, but you're not really competing on what you're making. Like you're either gonna like what I make and buy it for me, or you're not. No, 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 nothing else factors into that equation. Like if you're gonna yeah. buy. My guitar, it's not a choice between, you know, a Super Chief and a less, and a, you know, used Les Paul. Like, it's just not, that's not my customer. Uh, you know, you either want it or you don't. Gibson might argue differently about the Banshee, but we generally, like, especially if you look at the last five years, I think in five years we've built maybe what I would consider, uh, this is 220 or 230 Banshees since we brought it back out. Uh, no, uh, I think we're closer to 300 now. Uh 10 that would be considered kind of classic, you know, Firebird minis, traditional finish, no binding. That's it. Yeah. Like, the, like a classic one. Like we sell almost none of those. Uh, I don't want to even make those. I don't, they're not even my favorite version of that guitar. 
Um, right. People come to us because we can make the version that gets doesn't or won't. Um, right. Or can't, maybe. I don't know which. It's one of those three or all three. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, like we make, you know, like the Banshee Deluxe, especially, like that's a maple top, still a neck through, uh, you know, binding, humbuckers, uh, you know, all the good stuff. It's it's a very different version of the fire. Well, it's not a fire, but it's a Banshee. Different version of that style guitar than what Gibson makes. You know, like the closest thing they made. Gibson caught wind of it, though. So when they, when that Banshee starts to get traction, because now maybe you're pulling, and I mean, you're saying you're only making 300. You don't know how many of the Firebirds they're selling because it's not a Les Paul. It's not an SG, right? Which would I assume they're big ones. Yeah. So now they're looking at, well, this Cower Guitars guy is making something super similar and look, what happened? So they knew about us for a long time. And, and, and I know this because I would get phone calls from people who wanted to buy left-handed Firebirds, and Gibson just told them no, but there's this guy in California who will make one. So really? they knew it was for a long time. Yeah, what, what boiled down to our thing with Gibson, really more likely is we had an artist who plays ours. They wanted him to be an artist who plays theirs. He didn't want to be. He plays ours and makes a big deal about ours because we're friends that way. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, he occupies a lot of our website, and and that's what the cease and desist came over. I, I'm, I'm certain that's what it boiled down to. So um, when you get this cease and desist, was there, like, an oh, fuck moment? Uh, because, like, we got a strike on YouTube for using copyright music, and the three of us had, like, nine phone calls in a matter of ten minutes. Yeah, like, I, what's a cease and desist? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Maybe it's I sound like, stupid. It's I don't like know. a YouTube strike on steroids from lawyers, basically. Well, maybe just explain a little bit about what it is. Sure. Okay, so a cease and desist is a legal request from a company. It's not. It's not. Um, it's more of a where you draw a line in the sand. You, so, like, let's say I was making I don't know soda, and I called it Coca Cola with a K. Um, that would be trademark infringement, and Coca Cola would send me a cease and desist, which is basically the you have to stop now. If you don't, we will go to court and sue you. Um, and and some there's variations in that, but that's generally what it is. Um, also, uh, Coca Cola with two Ks is trending into a dangerous product. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're a K away. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, Cowards Coca Cola would be a really bad product. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's what a season assist is. So we. We got ours, and I actually didn't really have a reaction other than, like, geez, took them long enough. That was literally my reaction, and I was thrilled, uh, to be honest, because the same reason I didn't want to make it in the first place, because it was what it was. It was a Firebird copy, um, and, I, and I will give myself an allowance here in a minute. Uh, I really wanted to redesign that guitar. I wanted there was things I knew at that point, because we were probably 100 or 110 band sheets at that point, um, that I knew we could improve, but if I changed anything on that guitar, I knew no one would buy it. All they would do is like, I want the one that looks like Gibson's. And I'm like, and so the season assist was like, cool, I can't make that one anymore. I can make the version I want, and thank you for doing that to me, Gibson. Uh, and, and it took a while, you know, like we brought the Banshee back out, the version two, which is what the current version is. Um, we had a, you know, 50 or 100 deep email waiting list for when that was coming back out. 
Um, and we thought, oh man, it's back. We're going to take orders immediately. It took nine months to start getting orders on those guitars. Like it took a long for people to accept that I was not going to build the other version and that this version was better in every regard, better looking, better balanced, better proportioned. It's stunning. Uh, It is. Well, thank you. And so, you know, it it took a while for that. And I would be willing to bet most of the people on that waiting list did not buy one. Uh, And, and so, you know, that was that trap of like, and I'm really, you know, hard on on like new guitar builders who ask for advice. Of like, you can't build clones. It's a short term thing only. Like, it, it, you got to get out there with the original work. I'm uh, so glad you broke into this because it seems like a lot of these cheaper guitar companies are basically just doing that. I mean, you're you're getting a hollow body that looks like a 335. You're getting you're getting a Strat lookalike. You're getting a Tele lookalike. So I mean, um, that's great that you mentioned how there's just no longevity in it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm there's definitely cases to prove me wrong. I mean, Anderson and Sir, sure, Collins uh, to some extent. Like though, Collins, I mean, everything outside of their double cut junior and the i35. I think are tremendous designs. They're one of my favorite mass, like not mass, large boutique builder designs. Um, like Sir makes a, I mean, they make a pretty classic strap, but they generally cut their teeth on, you know, the modern super strap thing. And, you know, Anderson could be the same argument. So there's, there's room for that, but there's definitely a lot of guys who, you know, they build 10 or five guitars and they think, oh man, it's $300 in parts, which it's not. Uh, yeah. But you know, I can make these things for a thousand bucks and sell millions of them, and I'll be rich. And then that market just doesn't exist, uh, yeah. which we've tried and proved the hard way uh, with Titan, with our Titan line. But uh, yeah, so the the thing with Gibson, you know, I wasn't upset about that. I, I we it took a while, and there's some there was some back and forth and some other legal stuff, and it kind of that's not stuff I really need to get into too much but we finally got it worked out and uh we this is years before they started offering before this was still during henry's ownership and or ceo ship and uh uh you know now they're doing the licensing thing which i think is kind of smart i don't know how well it's working but we we got it worked out and uh i'm thrilled in the end you know it's it's still our strongest selling guitar uh i i get to have a lot of fun i i'm i like being in the position of not being tied to how that guitar should be like like the pro it becomes that thing like you know every i mean it's the people who are arguing about what kind of glue is on their les paul fretboard i'm like yeah come on guys <laughs> like uh i mean i'm whatever i'm not gonna get in, that's a whole can of worms but i'm not tied to well that's not how you made it in 1957 so fuck you <laughs> <laughs> i can take improvements on that guitar that are genuine improvements on it and yeah. no one, but everybody thinks I'm a genius for it. But I'm like, I'm not a genius. I just can do it because they can. Like they, right. if they do it, people will be like, you know, out with pitchforks and torches in front of their yeah. their headquarters. For me, I, you know, um, I appropriated it. Uh, I culturally appropriated my good ideas into that. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's the thing. Like, you know, but I'm also not tied to this huge logistics chain supply chain dealer market i you know if we make something and we make three of them and that's all it ever is and it fizzles out okay that sucks but whatever you know i i can i can, i've got the freedom to do that kind of things that i understand 
you know, that they don't, they, they just don't. You, when you have thousands of employees and, you know, a global sales network and, yeah. you know, I, I would assume it's millions of dollars of payroll and invoicing and a lot of stuff every day to worry about, um, you know, or certainly thousands and thousands of it. Um, you know, they don't have the freedom to go do what I want to do. You know, I, I can roll into the shop in one morning and go, I got an idea for something I want to make. And that's become super chief three hours later. Um, you know, so it's, it's the end of the industry I like being in for that reason. Okay. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, that answer was so awesome because you literally just hit a few of the next questions. But I'm going to break this up for a minute. And I have to ask you a very, very personal question. Sure. You're from California. There's tons of mountain lions over there. Yes. If there was a oh six-foot-long mountain oh. lion, okay, that only weighed... 200 pounds do you think you could get you think you could get the jump on it mm -hmm. i don't think i could get the jump on it i think it would probably still win in the end but i think i would be able to at least i have 100 pounds on it or, or 75 pounds on it it's got four <laughs> inches of reach um it's quiet i am not i do carry a pocket knife all the time so i think i got a fighting chance to piss okay off. all right and i rest so for for 12 years uh, so I think once it's on the ground, I can, I can, I got a chance, but I think it would See, still win because I'm out of 10 times. I no, get that. No. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I'm going to die, but I'm going to at least, I'm going to leave a bloody trail for it, uh, for the next people to go find it. <laughs> so like the infamous moment of this podcast was like a moment in time where I said that. And I, this happened a year ago, at least. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing <laughs> this for a year. And, and I said. If I get the jump on it, I think, or not even, if I'm in a corner, I just got to hit like a right hook. I land on top of it. The cat's done. If I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm a big dude. I'm 25 pounds on the cat. So if I'm, if I'm on the cat, I got a chance. My, my but, eight year old is a hundred percent convinced he can wrestle a crocodile because he, he loves okay, Steve So he probably could. We had a marine biologist. <laughs> we had a marine biologist on the podcast and her specialty uh, is sharks. So we had her on shark week like last year. Um, she said, I have a chance and I probably could beat like a six foot long shark in the water, in the water. Yes. That's a, uh, that's a break. Okay. Yeah. My, my, yeah. Uh, I will say my eight-year-old, we have to remind consistently, he cannot uh, wrestle a bear. Um, he will lose. No, tell him he can. Uncle yeah. Drew says Uncle Drew says he can. <laughs> my, uh, it's funny. It, we just had like a news article with a mountain lion in somebody's front yard watching their kids like two days ago. Uh, yeah, it happens, uh, especially with all the fires going right now. They're, they're all kind of scattering um, for... Oh, so I guess, I guess. I'm nervous if that were to ever happen here because if, like, the newspaper article comes out that it was my kids and I was out there and I didn't go attack this thing, <laughs> my yeah, ass yeah. would blow up. I'm going to test it one day. I'm going to get one from the zoo and just put it on your front lawn. That, and see what you and I lessened, Doug, I lessened my stance on it. I said, like, I'd get it seven out of ten times. <laughs> so there's a little room for air there. Hey, I, that gets you through high schools at 70%. <laughs> Yeah, I I, uh, I think I would have to do it very quickly. I would have to win in the first five seconds, or I don't think I would win at all. Like, it would have to be very fast. Uh, I'd have to land on it from the initial strike, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, I could, like, Captain Insano, like, like off the <laughs> dive on it, 
That I, oh, that scenario, I would win, no doubt. See? That thing would get squished. Uh, exactly. <laughs> if um, you put toast on its back, would you have to fight it at all? Or would it just spin in the air forever? Yeah, we'd try to get its own back. Yeah. Do you guys know this joke? Uh, did I just make a weird, really obscure joke? No, I don't know. Okay. Lay it on me. Cats always lay on their feet, and buttered toast always falls toast buttered side down. So if you put buttered toast <laughs> on a cat, the two forces hit each other, and it just spins in the air indefinitely. It's a it's a real physics conundrum. It's a preview clip that's getting released tomorrow. We, we have to bring we have to bring this up to Elon Musk. <laughs> it, it might be actually how Teslas are powered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Into that, uh, I, 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 yeah, it, it's been, it's been, like we're not cat people, but my parents are cats people, and I'm like, we might have to try this one day. Like, I think we could do it. Like, we could uh, just strap a generator to it, let's spin the generator, and we'll be all set. Normally, my cats, I have a cat tree literally right next to my little podcast setup, but they're not in there right now, or else I'd be going to get the toaster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just some rapid-fire questions just to kind of end everything. Just because I prepared for this way too much. Oh, um, as much as you want. Like I said, I, I feel bad. First of all, for people who, uh, because it won't be on there, the when everything went terribly for 45 minutes and I couldn't get any computer in my house to work. Um, no, it and probably I'm, worked for the best. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just enjoying my beer and not being responsible for my kids for the first time. And Well... They're as sick of me as uh, we're all sick of each other after seven months of being in the house together. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, how, what's the time frame from when the wood comes into the shop till the guitar leaves? Uh, okay, so uh, we'll go from when we body blank. Uh, so okay. we bring in like raw lumber. You know, it, it's yep. well raw-ish. It's it's been turned into a you know, eight to 12 foot stick and stuff. Uh, that stuff will generally let sit six months to a year. Um, we try to, we, you know, like right now I'm getting pretty low. Um, the mill that we work with and the lumber supplier, they killing it. They store it for us because we only have so much space. And then we bring out like three units a year and season it as much as we can. Um, once we turn it into a body blank, you know, it goes kind of quick. It, it depends on how you look at it. So it, like we quote six to seven months for most guitars. Uh, okay. But that's mostly because that's based on, like, if you ordered one today, we're not actually even going to get to it more often than not for three months. Like, you're just in line waiting with everybody else at that point. Uh, or sometimes, depending on what you ordered, like, we had a guy order a Super Chief last week, and the deck went in it today. Uh, it just happened to be, like, it caught exactly the right window when I was doing a bunch of Super Chiefs anyway. So that happens sometimes, too. Uh, but usually, like when I, if you look at just from the hours hands-on perspective, yeah. the average guitar we build has about four, 30 to sixty hours of actual hands-on work. Um, so like wow. Corona might, so might like be, a whole week. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of guitar building, and part of why it takes that time is a lot of it is waiting for stuff to dry. So you, yeah. you know, you season the wood, you plane it, you store it. You know, we, we glue it up. We got to wait for the glue to dry. You know, we'll glue up a whole bunch of stuff at one time, and then we'll pull as we get ready to go. You know, I typically will machine, like, especially like Banshees, you know, we'll machine 10 to 15 Banshees in three days, like over the course of three days, and then I don't machine any again for probably three or four weeks. Right. Um, we'll make a bunch of fretboards. We'll do that. Um, but like a Corona, the new model, uh, okay, well, everything that has a gloss finish, 
has three full days of work on that guitar just to get the finish done. Uh, and, and well, four days technically. So uh, if it like a mahogany body, you know, we'll isolate it, we'll grain fill it. You have to wait for the filler to do its thing. Then we sand the filler, then we spray sealer, and then you spray sand the sealer coat. Um, then you spray the seal second sealer coat. That generally will get us to a color ready finish. Like it's totally grain filled, flat, ready to go. Uh, but like on a like a banshee, for instance, every sanding session is forty five minutes to an hour, um, and that's with you know pneumatic sanders and stuff. But you still gotta block it and mat you know there's a lot of work. And then uh, so that's typically the first day or the first two days really. Uh, by the end of the second day, we have color on that guitar. So okay. the lining's been masked off. We paint all the color um, or two colors if it is or a burst or whatever. Uh, the third day I come in, I'll scrape the bindings if it needs it, do the final dress, and then I clear coat all day. So we do three coats of clear, flash it in the UV oh. booth, ah. sand it flat. Um, you know, the coats are like 15 minutes apart. Um, so about every hour it comes back to the sanding. Uh, and then I'll sand the whole thing out, uh, fix any little, there's always some little, like, uh, the first clear coat session we kind of call the catch-all, because, like, you're building clear, but I almost always find, like, the, the little spot on the binding that I missed, there's a little speck sure. of paint still, um, so we can catch it then and fix it, um, and then we'll sand the whole thing out with 800, again, it's another hour, um, block it, put it back in the booth, spray three more coats, uh, flash it, pull it out aggressively level sand the whole thing, make sure there is nothing else that I missed. Um, and then we do one more coat that's called a flow out coat. Um, okay. And then, um, and then, uh, so that's the end of day three. Uh, and so usually I have right now with the crew I have going right now, we typically have two a day going like that. Uh, so I'm kind of alternating. So like one's getting sprayed, I'm sanding on one, the schedule works out to be about the same. Uh, so yeah. by time one's ready to come out, the other's ready to go in. Um, and then like Alex is doing the sealer and stuff on the ones for the next day. Um, and then Logan, my third part of our little finishing triangle, he does what's called cutting and buffing. So that's where he comes in and starts with like a thousand grit, sands it, takes it all the way up to 2000 grit, and then takes it to the buffer and buffs the whole guitar out. Um, and he can do same boat, like two to three a day, pretty comfortably. It's a kind of hard on your back. That's usually what dictates it more than anything. Cause you, you know, you're holding this thing at a buffer and you're kind of trying not to hit anything and sure. you're about it and stuff. Um, so just, so that's, across the board, anything with a gloss finish, that's how involved it is. So there's three days, four days right there. Um, and then assembly on average is a full day of work. Uh, so that's, you know, starting from a guitar that the finish is all cut and buffed, but the fretboard is still taped up. So you gotta scrape all the edges and pull the tape off and then you gotta clean up, you know, anywhere the paint clear coat got underneath the tape on the fretboard, get all that cleaned up. And then you have to come in and dress all the fret edges, and it takes forever. Uh, so we, you know, use a bevel block, and then we come in and cut each corner of the fret and round the end of the fret off really nicely. And that's 22 frets times two sides. So that oh. takes it takes a while. But, and then you got to fit a nut. Um, we have the plec now. Uh, Why so, is that time to fit a nut? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't get to fit as much these days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a young whippersnapper so he gets the stuff <laughs> uh, but so he we have gained a little bit of time with the plec um, the plec kind of pays dividends more uh, I'll kind of explain that in a minute um, so he'll get a nut in it we'll throw it in the plec then the plec will cut the nut for us uh, so it comes yeah. in and cuts the top of the height down and then slots the string spacing which has just been amazing because that's always a pain in the ass um, and then usually uh, what he'll do is by the time it goes in there, he'll have the tuners on and at least the bridge and tailpiece. 
Um, Because to do the plaque process after the nut is cut, um, you have to string it up and put it under tension for it to scan the fret surface uh, to do its job. So he'll typically string it up, put it back in the plaque, and that process takes between 15 minutes to a half hour. It kind of depends on, um, there's a, you know, especially with a new guitar that hasn't been strung up yet, you got to kind of adjust the truss rod and get everything kind of the way you want to tell, to program it, to tell it how you want to cut. Um, sure. And while that's running, once it's, it's, once you hit go and you're done, um, he'll like build the wiring harness, load the pick guard up. Um, assembly is responsible for making pick guards. So like, he, he's not doing it quite yet. I'm still doing this part, but like machine pick guards on the CNC and uh, and uh, back doing the acrylic, the, la- the laser cut pick guards. He has to paint. He'll have to paint those. I'm doing it currently. Um, so then hopefully the idea is once it comes out of the plaque, he can then pull the strings back out of the way, yeah. uh, mask off the fretboard, take the guitar out to the fret buff. We have a, we have a buffer set up just for fret work. Um, we use like a foam sanding pad that takes like the, any last scratches off, kind of nice finishes off the edges of frets really nicely, and then he buffs it out. Uh, and then from there, it goes pretty quick again. He'll have, if he's got the harness done already, then it's like traditional assembly. The pick guard goes on it, electronics go in it, yeah. you know, pin, string it up, antenna it, set it, and go. Where the plec pays big dividends on time is not only is it doing better fret work than, I mean, I, I've taken guitars, uh, we've only had the plec since uh, March. Uh, we've done probably a hundred, maybe 120 guitars on it now between okay. stuff we've built, but also I took a lot of my personal, you know, older guitars of ours, uh, the guys in the shop who have cowers, we've plucked everything we can get our hands on just to partially just to, the more we use it, the better we get with it. But also I'm starting to have data in digital form going back 10 years on guitars now. Um, uh, so it's nice right. to see the trend lines and, and the way we've tweaked the process based on what we thought was going on and either we were getting it right or not. Um, we can actually see it now. Um, but where it really pays off is compared to doing fretwork by hand is when it comes off the plec and it's passed its own quality control check, we don't worry about it. We know right. it is got Done. perfect fretwork. Yeah. When we do it by hand, the only way you would really know is to string it up and play it. Um, right. And, we did good fretwork. Like we, we, we were really well known for f- good fretwork, but you know, it's a human process that, and it takes a lot of feel more than like empirical data when you do it by hand. So if we did 10 guitars, seven of them went real well on the first try. Don't have to come back and touch them. Two of them will have some buzzes that we have to come back and fix. And that's another half hour easily. Um, sure. And one will be one that we pretty much have to level and start all the way over. And that's another hour, hour and a half. So we've really gained that time back uh, pretty That's consistently. Awesome. And it's nice, too, for me because because it comes off the plex so good, there's not a condition. Like, I, I, I can actually vividly recall this. We in we went to the – oh, man, this is a long time ago. We were at the Montreal Guitar Show back when it was part of the Jazz Festival. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Uh, one of the nights, Matt Schofield was playing, who's a good friend of ours, uh, and he was playing. He we had loaned him a banshee for that night. The banshee ultimately ended up keeping. And we were watching, and I watched him and heard him do this like you know hard double stop bend at like I don't know nineteenth eighteenth fret, and I heard it fret out like in a in a bend that I physically couldn't do. Like I don't play as good right. okay. And I was like, Ugh! and I heard. I just I hate watching my guitars get played. By the way, I'm the worst nervous parent. Yeah, um, yeah. it's like a child. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, 
And and so like I, it was one of those things. I played that guitar like I, it seemed fine for me. Um, it was a condition in which I wouldn't have known to try, sure. um, or would have been able to physically try. So that part really helps. So you know, so between this is a long story, long, but so assembly is a full day, paints four full days. Um, you know, the woodwork side is is actually kind of quick in some regards, like, um, but generally still. By the time we get a next set, glued in, fretboard, all those pieces made, done, glued up, done, ready to go into the booth, we probably still have four or five full days, um, you know, of, of work or, or, you know, or at least work that progresses over four days. Sometimes it's, you know, you glue something up and you can't touch it again that day. But, you know, so the fastest we can humanly build a guitar is still probably 10 days, um, you know, yeah. which is. That's fast. Pretty fast. <laughs> well there you go go did you get all that we're gonna start making guitars no i, I no. hope you're writing that down no, no. i've had conversations with people and like i had a conversation with a guy at prs and they're like how many have you and i have three cnc's a laser the uv booth we we have a really the plaque you know a, a, for a six-man shop i have you know a lot of equipment uh and i'm like i don't know we probably still have 30 to 40 hours of guitar of hands-on work and they're like like how much do you guys have like uh like six to eight and i'm like how is that even possible um but they're they're set up you know they're more assembly line so yeah you know i've got one guy tied up all day on doing finishing they have 30 people tied up to do one step of that finish and they yeah. can, the the cumulative hours drop um considerably even though it probably still takes them 10 days to get through it start to finish mm-hmm. uh, that's what happens when john mayer picks up your guitar i guess <laughs> It's, it's you know and now we might not have been comparing comparable guitars like a you know but they also you know they're geared up to do that very very efficiently and and we're mostly just manpower limited so you know yeah. it's, it's those things um or we really suck at our job i don't know it's possible it's just that no, uh, no, it's not that you guys are just guitars <laughs> we might be way harder the way hardest way possible i don't know <laughs> you, uh, earlier in this podcast you definitely flexed your knowledge of social media. Yeah. I mean, I mean, knowing how, well, I, but I mean, maybe more than the average person. You, uh, you definitely, you know, Facebook and then Instagram and then how when Facebook bought Instagram, the changes, that sort of stuff. Before we started recording, you also made mention to me that you roughly get around two hundred DMs a day. I get, I get between. Uh, uh, 50 to 200 not it's pretty rare it's at the 200 side Uh, but you know 50 to 100 is not well okay that's not true i probably have between 20 to 40 people specifically dming me but it's messages messages. yeah yeah Yeah. i I get a lot every day Um, i want to know if you've ever gotten any like this okay (laughs) hey guys love the look of your guitar Learning to play how, during quarantine. I'm in love with the blank, no free ads, especially because they don't respond to my stuff. Blank guitar. Let's make a deal. You guys pick the music for a beginner, brackets, and I mean beginner. At this point, I'd only been playing a week. Sure. Set the time frame for me to learn it in. If I do it, I get a blank. I, what a great marketing opportunity. Okay? They like my message. Don't answer. you don't know me yet but i'm persistent okay sure so i say look now i'm a fan i saw that you liked my message 
I'm just willing to say I'll take the next step down of that guitar if that's going to be the make or break point. They they open it, no answer. And then I so I waited a month. <laughs> In a month, I said, okay, guys, I'm starting to get decent. You might want to take me up on my offer now so that you have a chance. And sure. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Cricket. Uh, I Okay. I will say I like the idea and I like the hustle. Yeah. Uh, I okay, so we definitely. Oh man, uh, I'm trying to find something here for you too at the same time. Well, we because I, I have might have a story for you. Uh, we we definitely get um, a lot of messages along those lines. Uh, oh, really? I used to. I thought I was being different. No, I, yours is yours is better than most. I I, okay. I I get a lot of like. Hey, I'm in a band, and uh, would you would you do offers an endorsement? And then they go to like their Instagram account, and they have like 30 followers. And yeah, I also should totally be upfront. I am tragically unhip. Like I don't know anybody who's an up and coming anything. Okay. Uh, I I have definitely peaked. Like I, when we talk about social media, like I'm sure at some point I need to get on TikTok and all these other things. And like I only finally kind of figured out Twitter in the last six months okay. and that's only to keep track of everything that's going on like i i instagram works for me because it's like dumb simpsons jokes uh guys who build trucks like mine and guitar stuff that's it it's like that's all i need it's i can it's a picture yeah. i can handle uh, i i get a lot of that my favorite thing to do was to punish people for it so the way <laughs> we would punish people <laughs> okay is and we kind of became Okay, I am kind of a dick, and I and I do relish that that it's my reputation. We made a fifty-four or fifty-five long required answers questionnaire form on our website if you were working for an artist endorsement, and it was just dumb shit. You know, like Aww. it started off being kind of like, "What's your name? What's the band name? What's your website?" Um, and it, no, I'm sorry. Let me re okay. Let me back up. It started off saying, "We're a six-man shop. We do not give guitars away." Yes, that includes Walter Becker. Walter Becker paid for all of his. Don't ask. If you must ask, include the following information. Your name, your band. Don't make me Google you, but don't ask. And then under that, it says, but if you must ask, use this form. And so it was like 50 questions long. You had to put something in every box. And it got down to like Monty Python quotes and <laughs> like just, just nonsense. And then, and this is the part I'm really proud of because like, I'm not a, like I, I I'm not a, I, a computer guy in regards of like like we, I've built all our websites but they're Squarespace websites they're pretty easy so when yeah. I hacked my site to do this it was the greatest accomplishment of my life when you hit submit it literally rickrolled you and just went right to that <laughs> and I was so proud of myself for figuring out how to interject that in like the that's, code at the end and stuff um, so and so people kind of caught wind of that's what would happen so we started getting a lot of emails from like people who just wanted to get to the end and then, and then we would change the video up for like uh like this is actually my current go-to right now when we get spam phone calls is i think for a while it was playing uh hold the line by toto um and so now like when i get a spam phone call i'll talk the person up for a few minutes i'm like oh man don't go i got a phone just wait and i'll put i'm like i'll put you on hold i'll be right back and then we just let him know, listen to hold the line for like the entire song um, <laughs> I had that though the other day and i almost was like you know what? I respect that. I know that you're trying to sell me a timeshare in Guatemala, and I might actually do it just for that. Uh, but yeah, I, I we just 
your idea is at least interesting. I, I get a lot okay. of people like, oh, you know, sponsor us. I'm like, I, bro, I I gotta pay our bills, man. Like my number, yeah. I am the. I, I get grief from people sometimes who don't believe me. I am the literal lowest paid employee in the shop. I make sure my guys get taken care of first. Um, yeah. I have the company credit card, so it's kind of a lie because I am a terrible boss and who uses it accordingly. Uh, I'm I'm very corrupt in that regard, but. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, we just can't afford it. Like Scott Hall pays for guitars. Very few people. Now there is also a range of payment. Like we have artists who we're good friends with, who are very much on the list of like, Hey, I'm flushing this new idea out. Do you want one of the early ones to take it out on the road? They don't care if it's got finish issues or what, you know, let's see how it goes. Or like a lot of times what will happen is like, Hey, I have to train somebody new on this job. It's usually, especially in the finishing side. I have to be kind of willing to sacrifice a couple things. Those are guitars that I will take care of friends with or artists and stuff, or, you know, even like the local school rock and stuff, you know, I'll, I'll, I would rather give a guitar to a friend than somebody who thinks they are deserve it. Sure. Okay. I don't look, Doug, I don't need a guitar. (laughs) But what you could do that would suffice in that place is if you still have that form, just make a line that says, do you think you could fight a mountain lion? <laughs> okay, I would. I might turn that one back on to add that line. Okay, uh, uh, all right. Hey, I will, okay, if you don't have another, I, I do have one. I have to see if this will actually play through, if you can hear it. Uh, if you want to hear the greatest voicemail of all time uh, I have ever received, I will play it for you guys. Yeah, um, we want to hear it. I want to hear it. Let's do this. Uh, if you got any more questions, ask me that. We'll come back just in case this doesn't work. You can cut all this section out. Okay. Because uh, I literally like hold my phone up to yeah, the we mic. Don't cut shit out of this podcast. Oh, good. Let's just, let's just, okay. Tell me if you can hear uh, this. Hang on, hang on. You can't because it's not working yet. Okay. Anyway. Uh... I can't tell you how pissed I am. Can you I hear finally this? opened my two guitar racks from. Bottom on reverb. First, they were supposed to be twenty percent off, and then, then they got try to fuck me and charge me more. But I'm listen. I'm just pissed. I'm sort of leaving you this aggressive message. I just, as I said, I just opened them up. I wanted two racks, and they sent me a stacker, like an AB combo unit. Fuck! I don't want that, and I, I just don't want. I'm in Canada. I don't want to wait another three fucking weeks for this thing. Jesus Christ! Three one zero. Call me, please. I, I want this taken care of immediately. I don't want to wait weeks for this damn thing. I want it overnighted. Fuck. Three one zero. Okay. Sorry, I was trying to sort of cover up his phone number. We will edit that. Okay, there's two background things I need to know before we move on to the next message. That message comes in on a Saturday afternoon in December. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I wasn't want to wait another three fucking weeks. And it wasn't Bob from us. Oh, the last line that you didn't hear was "thank you kindly." He, because he's <laughs> "thank you kindly." Uh, uh, so I'm like, it, it's for this accessory line of guitar stands we do. And so we, I was like, I know we sent that order correct, um, and we, it wasn't from us. We drop shipped for a, a dealer that was selling them. Um, so I text the dealer. Ten minutes goes by, and uh, here's the second one. Hi, this is calling to apologize. I figured it out. Turns out I was uh, I was wrong. 
certainly mistaken. It happened. Um, yes. Okay, listen, so yeah, I was trying to say something funny, but it wasn't. So listen, I uh, lost my cool, I apologize. I was just confused by this, these directions. It looked like looked like I got the one on the top. But as it turns out, the one on top can also be a single unit. So I did indeed get two single units um, as opposed to the bottom one when you stack them. Because I thought the bottom one should be the regular one. I guess I didn't look at this really. Okay. Loving the racks. They're beautiful. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so that came in 10. Okay. That was like the, the return call admitting he was wrong. Uh, what it had boiled down to is so the, we, the racks that we make, they're, they're modular and they're stackable. And in order to save paper and time and energy, uh, all the instructions are on one sheet of paper. On one sure. is the individual unit. And on the other side of the paper is if you're going to stack them. And he opened up two identical boxes, uh, but the instructions were upside down in one box. <laughs> Freaked out before looking three seconds further to realize, oh, no, that is the right thing. Oh, I love it. I <laughs> love it. Yeah, that, that voicemail is a literal Hall of Fame. Because I think we were going to have our like company Christmas party. Uh, which I should mean uh, everyone, uh, especially me, gets blind drunk at my house for Christmas. Uh, and I think it was like either that night or the following. Like It was like happening. So that was down as a Hall of Famer uh, voicemail. I really want to get like ugly Christmas sweaters with a transcript on it. Guys, <laughs> this year, I think it would be pretty great. But uh, that'd, be, that'd be a good piece of merch for sure. Yeah. In the range of unsolicited messages that we get, uh, that's, that's on the far end. You were not that end. Right, um, that enough. one, but also we're not as funny as that one. That one, the thank you kindly at the end is just the the piece and of I resistance mean, on that. Yeah. One. I mean, we just hit our numbers with our Manscaped sponsorship. Like I was giving them something. <laughs> it's not like I was like we would have. You know, a lot of people would have seen it. Like, but it is what it is. It's fine. They missed the boat. <laughs> it's, it's, that is okay. Uh, to bring it back a little bit, when you talk about competing against Fender Gibson. That is one area that we cannot compete against. We yeah. we cannot afford to give guitars away like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it so, and it's to our detriment and I so we do kind of use your Instagram account as a barometer for that. Yeah. Uh, but like it's one area that you know yeah. and it's amazing when you think about it uh, for me like I've had we have very good artists who play our guitars um and i've had like surreal moments I've, I've watched our guitars get played on dick clark's new year's eve like like in Times square that night when with blondie i've watched uh you know our guitars on letterman leno um cool. conan um wow. you know so I, I watch uh at our local arena at a uh, golden one um uh our buddy eli from walk the moon uh played the first cower there um and and the first he has titan and cowers i think he was the first to play both uh, there, uh, which is kind of neat. You know, like we got to do the stuff with Walter Becker. I get to have bring my dad to meet Walter Becker. Um, so it's it's for not being able to give guitars away, and and I always think it's a much better ringing endorsement that these guys are and girls are willing to gals uh, to pony up the money to you know, especially on their first one, they're pretty much paying retail for it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, we've had some great. The the greatest one is still Tom Dubot. Tom Dubot's my absolute favorite, hilarious artist story because. Uh, he, like, we take custom orders through our website, but it's pretty rare we get an email that, like, without a, like, 
we almost never get an order where somebody didn't ask something first. Uh, yeah. You know, and so I woke up, we had an order in the system. It's cool. We jumped on the guitar. Uh, it was an aged finished guitar, which we don't do in house. And then, uh, so it was taking a while. Um, and I was up front, I warned Tom, um, didn't think twice about the name or anything. And uh, then he, we listed one on, like a few months later, we put a banshee that we made on reverb that was kind of a special, like a one off thing. And he bought it. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I bought that other one. I'm waiting on it. Like, and I'm like, oh, God, I hope he likes it. Because if, if he doesn't like this banshee, he right, he's not going to want the other one. Yeah. And, uh, but he loved it. And then we shipped out the banshee. And, you know, uh, and I, it took so long. I was like, hey, man, uh, I'm going to give you a discount because, I mean, this was, I know it's, it's not us because we didn't do that part of the thing. It's one of the yeah. only times we sub something up. But I genuinely feel bad. It's like, no, man, give me the full receipt. Like, you know, I, it's not a big deal. Just do it. I don't mind. And then, like, four months later, I get a message, like, almost simultaneously from, like, six people. And they're like, how come you didn't tell me Tom Dumont's playing our guitars? It was our assembly guy uh, at the time, Ben. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like, yeah, we sent that guitar to – who the hell's Tom Dumont? And and I just still in my mind, I hadn't clicked because I didn't get a screaming, I'm Tom Dumont from No Doubt. Give me a free guitar email. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I was Holy, I felt genuinely bad. Like I was actually kind of embarrassed about that. I was like, "Oh man, like that's a big pull." And uh, and so he's Tom is like the nicest dude. We got to meet him and hang out with him uh, a couple years ago. And you know, just they want he was he just struck a chord with him. He bought him. He loves him. Didn't want, absolutely did not want any discounts on either guitar. Um, you know, and and still get a nice message from him from time to time. Just you know, hope you're doing good. Uh, by the way, that goes a lot of weight. You send uh, donuts or Simpsons swag or just say hi from time to time, you're going to be on the inside track. Uh, okay. Your All bills right. on time. That no really problem. helps you up the list. <laughs> I'll ship you donuts from, from Canada. Don't you worry. Don't worry. Um, you know what, though? I, I, I want to take a moment, Doug, to really thank you. This podcast, and as it's grown, has afforded us some like really cool opportunities. Like I said, you know, now we're getting paid to do it, which is kind of like a crazy thought. I don't think any of us would ever be there. We were able to bring Jake on as a producer, and he's helped us grow exponentially. And now I'm starting to get to do stuff with it that, you know, aren't just for me. Like, I, I'm really into music and guitars and, and, and all over the place. But like this is like, like I said, my dad was the one who put me on to cower. So to be able to do this and to have my dad be super jealous, like text, he texted me all day. He's like, what are you going to ask him about pickups? What are you going to ask him about the build of the guitar? Like, how long does it take? Does he do special stuff? And it's like, dad, like, I don't have that much time with him. I can't bug him too much. But, uh, but seriously, thank you so much yeah. for coming on. It really does. It means the world to me. It means the world to everybody listening. Um, this is a really, really cool episode. We're going to take a few yeah. clips from it. We'll put them on Instagram. If you share them, that would be fantastic. Um, and then when the episode's out, hopefully tomorrow, Jake, our producer up in the sky, he's going to hopefully stay up late tonight and put this out. <laughs> and uh, I'll send you all the links so you can, if you want to listen, you can do that too. Thank you so yeah. much for coming yeah. on. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I haven't laughed that hard on the show, I don't think, yet. So <laughs> I appreciate that, that as well. Well, yeah. well, thank you, guys. It means a lot. And, and uh, I'm always around. If, and I promise next time I won't have to get through three, three laptops to make this work. I, no, I that's hope. cool. Hey, man, I'll say 15 minutes. I'm not stressed. But uh, I will, I'm definitely – you and I are definitely going to stay in touch. This is one of those, like, cool relationships I'd really like to keep. So Absolutely. Yeah. 
Awesome. Thank you so, so much. much. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon.